Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I told you we weren't done for 2022. In today's episode, we're going to cover a whole heap of stuff. Hambini checks out a Pinarello. We've got some doping controversies in the World Tour. In fact, we've got a whole heap of World Tour chat to and on under. All right, let's get episode 11 started. Let's start with some pro cycling chat, Jesse. It's been a while since we've done that, and I am going to kick us off. So the first thing is that came across my table was Mr. Miguel Angel Lopez. That's right, my pronunciation for all you people out there who are worried about this uh, mic popping. There you go, I went for it. Uh, he has been now. He okay. Let me get. The, I'm going to read this because I want to get the wording of this right. The Astana team discovered new elements showing Miguel Chanel Lopez probable connection with Dr. Marcos Mena. Team said in a statement, according to the team, they have no other solution than to end the contract with the team and the rider based on the breaches of said contract and internal team rules with immediate effect. This stinks to high hell for me. This totally stinks, and it stinks from a team management perspective. I reckon what's going on here is he's on a big contract. He's on quite a he's on quite a good contract, and they've gone shit. How can we maybe get out of this contract? The team we want to add a little bit to the roster. We don't want some of the baggage that comes along with this guy. And what's the easiest way to get rid of him? We'll find some relationship that he's had in the past and and go down this route. Like. For me, like if this was if this was an Anglo rider, if this was uh, an Australian, a UK, an American, English speaking rider, mm. I guarantee there would be an uproar over this. Mm. But because because he's like Colombian, you know, let's be honest, we are one hundred percent biased here. Like we all in this in the, the English speaking media, we do the uh, oh yeah yeah, mm. and the only other look, Alexander Vinokurov is the guy banning this guy from his team. Alexander Vinokurov of glowing, glowing status throughout most of the 90s and early 2000s. It's just, it's kind of just disgusting. And it it just, to me, speaks of this whole thing where you've got writers and management and management seem to be able to do whatever they want, having done whatever they want to do in the past and have no repercussions for it. And now the modern day rider is paying for it. So, yeah, I'm a little bit um, fired up about it because um, for a lot of reasons, but, you know, we've had some interactions with some professional cyclists in the last couple of weeks here in Australia. And I honestly reckon the modern professional cyclist is one of the best professional athletes in the world. They are so... Just hang out with idiots like us. 
Like, come on. It's just awesome. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad for this dude. I, I don't mm, – do I feel bad? Because I don't feel bad because I don't excuse you hanging out with a doping coach. So on one hand, I don't feel bad because he's clearly doing something – Okay. Shouldn't be. Like, I. it's not to excuse, like, in and of itself, that situation, just in isolation, I have no time for and don't, you know, why you, is something going on here. But the, if you just look at it as a sport as a whole, if you applied the same sort of um, punishment to the crime, to the, to the whole sport right now, it's just not, it's the not, it's the fairness that I don't like. Not this. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd say I feel bad for him. Um, you know, if you play God. with what's the word? You play with sharks. You, you know, or things. you play with fire. You get burnt. Like he's obviously, um, yeah. Like it, the do, the guy is like running a doping ring, and you're matesy with him. Well, we haven't talked about it yet in the show, but let's 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 just go for it. Jesse, are they still doping? Okay, they're the. The Tour de France was how much faster last year and the year before that? We just get faster and faster and faster. Are they are they doping to do it? Yes or no? Yes, but also no. <laughs> <laughs> like I hate that argument of like, oh, they beat their, his time up a climb, so they're still dirty. It's like, what, like there's so many ways that the peloton has gotten faster. And this was there was actually a good article, Cycling Weekly article, talking about exactly this by. Um, uh, Joe Laverick did a good article interviewing a few people and getting a take on why the peloton is so fast and beating doping records. And if they're, if they're now clean, what, how could that be possible? And there's some good explanations in the aerodynamics, which is almost laughable when you say it, but it's real. Like you go so much faster, tire technology, how much, how many watts faster? Are the t- Even like between a good tire and a great tire now is it's not like one or two watts. It's like five or ten. Um, for for two tires and that's like of modern day tires so yeah there's all of that nutrition's come a long way training's come massively it's a totally different just that they're gonna break all the all eventually in probably a couple of years all the climbing records will be broken um maybe not the watts per kilo like the what see that's the other problem when you're trying to calculate the watts per kilo it's very difficult to do now because of you're going so much faster because of the tech. So you're having to take into account, they say, oh, you did, we estimated you did 6.5 watts per kilo for 30 minutes. But this, at, when you're comparing that to a rider from 2005, how many yeah. variables are you trying to take in there? It's not just about VAM because the VAM changes based on all the tech. So I just, it's, we're so far away from being able to compare it now going into 2023 that... I think that whole they're so fast, so they should they must still be doping is is not valid anymore. Yeah, what do you reckon? Um, okay. I mean, we've seen how well Jay's doing. Yes, and we. I, asked him. I don't we, think yeah, Jay's Jay's not doping. No. I don't think he's doping <laughs> unless it's like yeah, he's not right. So you can do it clean. Yep. Which gives which he's he's not at the level of you know a Tour de France winner yet, but. You, you can, can win be, a stage yeah. of a Grand Tour yeah. clean yeah. and still wearing terrible overshoes, then <laughs> potentially, you know, they are all clean. Yeah. I wouldn't say potentially they are all clean. I just think 
it's a predom I would say, yeah, it's predominantly clean. I mean, there's still doping. I mean, not for EPO because, I mean, maybe that's easy to get away with, but, you know, like tramadol. There's grinders getting busted for tramadol um, in the last couple of months. So there's still bits yep. popping up. Well, so my take, yep. um, there is doping in all professional sports. I'm sure, I've said this on the channel. I'm certain of it. There's doping in AFL. There's doping, as we know, in NFL. There is performance-enhancing drugs being used across all sports. Is it at a level of systematic team um, here we go, lads, let's all step up to the glowing level for this. No, that doesn't necessarily happen anymore. I'm certain it still happens in us in a position where a rider is, and as we know with cycling, it's so cutthroat and there's so many so many guys who are just hanging on to contracts and things like that that I am certain that there are still guys who are doing something to try and maintain their current position. Potentially, and also, I really strongly believe at the continental, pro continental level, for guys to just get that result, to just get the. You've seen that a little bit with some of the teams in Italy. Uh, I think it was the Z, I'm not, Zabu. Um, anyway, the that continental yeah, yeah. team mm -hmm. definitely at that sort of level <laughs> of the sport where it's you are just trying to get that result to to push you over the edge, and also from from coming back from injury. I would say there's a lot. I would say there's more at the continental level than at the world tour level. Yep. Um, just because there's well, there's way less. I've never been drug tested. There's way less testing, so it's a, it's almost a it's a wild west, really. Mm. And you have to be pretty unlucky, and if you got tested while you were using something. So I would actually be more. Oh, I mean, I really want to do. Effect. I really want to do the some of the grand the UCI Grand Fondo events next year. So it's like one of my goals to do some of the Grand Fondo events in the UCI. And one of the reasons I'm genuinely considering not doing it is, well, what's the point when I know there's no drug testing at that stuff? And you know, we've all seen Icarus. I'm like, great, you know, <laughs> fantastic. So yeah, I mean that that for me is definitely where where the level is. Can I also just quickly mention the going faster thing? And this is potentially a bit bit niche, but uh, we've seen in the last probably I'm going to say post COVID, just in the domestic local racing we're seeing here. Okay, we're not seeing um, guys at at our level at the A grade club level any different, any better than they were ten years ago. They're not suddenly more guys going world tour from from that level of racing. However, our races are at least two kilometres an hour faster than they were. Yep. Full stop. Full stop. Strava says so, basically. And, yeah, like I said, you know, no offence, A-grade Tuesday night crew, none of you are as good as or better than the guys were five or six years ago. We are just riding much, much a faster gear. And obviously we're seeing that through all the grades. Every grade is getting faster and it's not because of systematic doping in A-grade. It's just due to the incredible tech. I mean... Yeah, but it, it changes the dynamic of racing too because it makes it... When you're going faster, it make it actually makes it easier for everyone because you get way more of a draft. Like I'm... At some of these Tuesday nights, I'm doing more power than I've ever done, ever. And I look behind and there's still 20 guys. I'm like... Three years, three, maybe not, mm, 2017. Jeez, that's way more than three years ago now. Oh, God. Five years ago, 
if I was doing that, so I'd be off on my own. There'd be no one even near me. But now you look around and just, oh, I, you, it's like, what? How? It's because you're going 47k an hour, and I can't go 51. So yep. the tech, it's it, it actually brings it together. It doesn't separate it. So yep. yeah, maybe not logical. Speaking of <laughs> performance enhancing ergogenic aids. It's 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 a you know what it's actually a meme in the fitness industry at the moment. Well, it has been for a while, but <laughs> he's on creatine and it's just like overstating the benefits. But you've been on. I said I said it to, to Deeks this morning, one of my schoolmates, and um, so yes, I've started a creatine protocol with Dan. It's one of protocol. the things protocol. I'm I've got the lingo now. Um, yeah, he wants me to to do this as a bit of a bit of a test. I wanted to do it because it's going to be good content, whatever. But I said it to to Deeks this morning. Okay, I went to school with him. He's like, oh, so you're going to play in the back row for the first 15 now, are you? Because, <laughs> like, that's what all the guys at school did was, like, to bulk up, was to get on creatine. Um, but putting that aside, well, not putting it aside, it's funny how – so it's the first time I've ever done, like, a supplement thing, right? Never done, su- like, s- systematic supplementation, <laughs> right? And it's really weird, Jesse. It's really weird because all of a sudden, okay, I st- – I've started to like think that I've got like some special little like power and this, this is potentially doing absolutely nothing for my cycling, but I'm like taking this white powder and I'm like, yeah, I'm on like no one else is taking this. I can see how the psychological benefits are really there that you suddenly now think you've got some secret benefit over anyone else, you know? And the other kind of thing that's, that's, funny is like so it's it's the thing that i do before i go for a ride i take some of this stuff and it's it's just this it's like i've got to now put all these ducks in a line before i go out and a ride you know i've got to have the creatine thing at this period of time this window to go out and ride and then if, but if i didn't have it then then i'm like oh i've missed the window to ride now what yeah you do you see that at all oh with, it's dangerous it's mm. dangerous okay because well it's kind of easy because you're just taking creatine and eventually once you finish the loading phase, I don't know whenever that is, you'll just have five grams a day probably, Dan will put you on. So it's not that hard. But then you start going, oh, great. oh that, that kind of worked well. Oh, I might just I might load some beta-alanine. And then the problem with that is then you're doing four, four doses a day, right? So then you, you, morning you're scooping something and then lunch you're scooping something and then suddenly, oh, that was all right. Oh, I might get on the beetroot shots. And, and it's, <laughs> it's not... That long before you've got like this tray of pills and potions that you're taking and suddenly you're not even thinking about your training anymore. You're just obsessed with it's taking your taking your pills. So it's it's a hard one because it's you want to take like some of these things work. Mm-hmm. They're proven to work. So you want to take them, but you also don't want them to be a big distraction and and they can easily be a big distraction. So I even struggle if I'm... You want, especially if a rider starts to is is doing a lot of the other things right, then they want to bring in some of these supplements which do work, but without it being this big focus like you've found. So it's definitely a, a struggle. I mean, so you were you saying there in terms of the the doping thing that um, once you start taking supplements, then it's like, oh, that's a bit stronger. I might take that, and oh, I've got these painkillers. Can I maybe just take that before? Are you, is, you reckon a bit of a slippery slope? Hundred percent, and supposedly creatine is the biggest gateway, here we go, channel, it is the biggest gateway drug to then something uh, banned. Yep, 
full stop. So watch this space. Oh, yeah, get on me on cycling. <laughs> Drug test me. Um, yeah. So uh, there is that. And, and also maybe this is reiterating the point, but like also there's definitely this thing of like I'm like, okay, once I finish this, like is there, is there any point me like just riding without stuff? Mm, I'm like, yeah. oh, like it's going to feel <laughs> terrible. But maybe uh, maybe I already do that, like in the sense that like I would, when, I don't know when the last time I went for a bike ride without having a coffee before is. Mm. Like probably two years, really. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe like we're pathetic. Maybe everyone's like going to be like, God, yeah, like we're all doing that. Like we had that chat with a guy the other week and he was like sprouting off all these uh, supplements and I'm there going, yeah, uh, we've tried that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's hard once you start ta- like once you start you're on multiple supplement protocols, it's hard to go back to not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't so like just to quickly clarify, Jesse's you, you're doing a bit. Of, you're going to do the beta alodrine and the beetroot juice going to nationals. Is that so the theory. I've, I've already been taking beta alanine and L carnitine and beetroot. Yeah. Yep. So three. There's not that well. The problem is there's not that many that are proven to work. So yeah. uh, that improve endurance performance. So there's there's a few other things you could take, but there's pretty they're the main ones. Yeah. Last thing, okay. This yeah. The last thing about the this stuff, and it's not doping, whatever. But is the the prevalence now of the finishing pill? You heard about the finishing pill? Oh, that's old school. Oh, it's old school. Yeah. Oh, they're very boring nowadays. Oh, are they? Well, apparently. Mm. Yeah. So, I, because you can't have you can't take tramadol anymore. Back in the day, every, it was just every the whole, entire peloton would just. Would take you want tramadol. to explain what the finishing pill is for for people? Yeah, well, the finishing pill or finished bottle, which is just what, something you'd go back to the team car at the end of a race and you'd get your finished. Usually, it would be a bottle, and it would be just. You wouldn't. So the thing is, the p- part of the thing is, you wouldn't know what's back in the day. You wouldn't know what's in it because it, it was. Part of the thing was like, oh, I'm going back and get my finished bottle. So the team coaches would purposefully not tell you what's in it. So it's this placebo thing. And most of the time you would hope it's probably just caffeine, strong caffeine and then like a, uh, or, or like a pre-workout supplement. So you'd get caffeine, really strong, sweet flavor, and then maybe some beta alanine or something that would make you, beta alanine makes your skin tingle acutely after you take it. So you can really, you get the energy from the caffeine, your skin's tingling and you kind of feel like you're, you're buzzing, right? So that was the finish bottle. Uh, back in the day, the finish bottle or finish pill might have a painkiller in it like tramadol. So then you're getting the energy and the painkiller, tramadol, which is very dangerous because mm-hmm. you can't see straight. Mm-hmm. Um, Just ask Nairo. Uh, yeah, well, he was still taking it. By the way, I've never had a painkiller at the end of a race. Uh, not a, not a, I've tried paracetamol. I haven't used an analgesic painkiller like tramadol so apparently you can't it's really dangerous in terms of bike handling and yeah that was the finish that was your finished bottle and nowadays they still do them um but you would hope oh i don't think they have anything banned in them it's pretty much just caffeine now and i mean that's what we know maybe there's some other stimulants that are not banned or newer things on the market which you can kind of get away with that might have a benefit. I don't know, but all right, guys. I think that's probably. Have we covered? We covered that base. Yeah, we covered that base for for now, guys. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, are you on any supplementation? 
If you want any really good stuff, let us know down below. Out yourself uh, and let us know if it's any good. All right. Now, we were talking about this the other day, right? And so I, I do want to mention this is like, no, it's not a public service announcement, but I think we, we should, I'd like to talk about it, right? So we're coming up to Christmas. You know, there's the festive 500-y stuff. So like people are going to be out doing their, doing their rides, doing their three, four-hour rides over Christmas. And this bugs me, okay? This bugs me. So you've got a group of six to eight people on a road and specifically where we live, we're, we're normally on relatively busy roads, okay? Now, at this time of year, they're probably going to have less cars on them a, a little bit but still relatively busy. And can I just implore a lot of people that if you're in those groups of six to eight to try act to act as one vehicle or one sort of entity rather than this like <sighs> seagulls that kind of just meander through lanes and all this kind of stuff. And I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but like do the whole kind of we own the road now thing that seems to happen when they when they get on the bike. Do you know what I mean? I I kind of know what you mean. I'm the 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 situation I'm picturing is like the clip-in after a cafe yeah. and it's like one person goes off and then like 20 seconds later yeah. and it's like, can you clip in at the same time and roll together, not like this dispersed bubble of people everywhere. No, I, I uh, yeah, I, uh, I agree. It happens coming, agree. coming away from lights and stuff like that as well. But the thing as well with you ever ride those size groups the number of calls oh, people call, I have to bring this up, right? Because my we, dad, was, so, so my dad, right, he goes, he, he goes down to Waterfall every Sunday and he, he's, he never joins a club, but he tags onto all the groups. He's like, I was out with East, I was out with, I'm like, he's, anyway, he just, he's a, he's a pest, right? But he'll, he crashed the other week because they all rode into a pothole. And I'm like, how is, how is this possible? These groups will call every leaf, grain of sand, every possible thing on the road and then not call the actual hazards. I think let's for the clubs out there, for the big groups, there should be there needs to be a new rule where you only call something if it can take the bunch down. I'd love to I'd love to see what happened if just no calls were made. Mm-hmm. Just complete silence. Hand signals only? Hand signals? Right. Because you know what had happened? People would fucking watch where they're going. Instead of relying, and this is what I hate, the relying on the people in front of them to to notify them. Okay, obviously there's situations where, you know, you're just going to suddenly whack a pothole. Yeah. I, I totally get that, all right? And, yes, in that circumstance a, a, an audible notification is, is required. I get that. But the whole car passing, rider up, rider oh. back. Stopping, going, moving, red it's lights. It's too much. It's too much. Because you lose the, all the, in all that noise, there is a freaking giant pothole and you'll all ride into it because no one's listening. And there's this constant like theme of angst in the group because it's mm. like everyone's sort of panicked because of this constant shouting yep. and no one's actually concentrating on where they're going. Um yeah, it's been one of our bugbears recently. And also, and, and I don't realise this is the most boomery thing I've ever heard, but I heard it on the local radio the other day about people living around Bob and Head and sort of an area where a lot of people do ride here in Sydney, saying that 
the local cyclists are so loud in the mornings. And it's kind of true. You don't realise, like, as you're riding along, just how much you're shouting to the guy eighth wheel is actually, like, annoying the local people. So I don't know. I just sort of, I'm with you. Just can we please tone down the... um, Tone down the shouting. Just a quick one. I know we, we talked about on the last show, we talked about wind space and the, the Chinese carbon uh, market, how well it went this year. But just interestingly, we did, I did mention on a, a show a couple of episodes ago how the um, GC performance was comparing a real dogma, Pinarello dogma, to a the Velo build fake Pinarello dogma thing and how just on camera they looked almost identical and he. He had, it wasn't a review, he was just giving it an overview and people were quite positive. And I brought up and I said, it'd probably ride like shit. Just as a real, just a gut call. Hambini did a video uploaded a couple of days ago uh, reviewing the actual frame and it was shit. It was bad. So the paint was terrible and the it had a thread, threaded bottom bracket and the he couldn't even screw the bottom bracket in because the threads weren't hadn't been drilled properly. So... Um, he wasn't a fan of it. But the point I had was, just to reiterate, I've already brought this up before, but I'm going to go again, is even if, right, Hambini had got that frame in and he'd reviewed it and he got, there's no voids in the carbon, it's quite smooth, even if the paint was good and he could put the bottom bracket in and he says, okay, this is, from an engineer's perspective, is sound and safe, that doesn't mean it's a good bike to ride because... You, <laughs> You only know if a bike is good and the layup is good and it has a good ride quality if you actually ride it. So uh, I, even then, I think um, the it, I think it's a, having Hambini review a frame technically is a big step forward. So we know, is a bottom bracket loose? Is it unsafe? But you still need, you can't then say that's a good bike. All it means is it's well manufactured and it's safe. It doesn't mean it's a good ride. And we've seen that with... I don't know if we want to call them out, but some of the bikes you've used in the past from the side Very and safe. they look good, they're safe and they look great, but you get on them and it's like a piece of wood and it's heavy and the ride quality sucks and you you would have absolutely no idea unless you rode them. So just, uh, yeah, just, just thought I'd bring that one up. I want to pick up on that because I've, I've started to have a bit more experience with wheels. Right? Yep. Okay. And what I have found is just that, all right? So... Yes, uh, even even an aerodynamically engineered and sound uh, rim can be overly um, reinforced and overly stiff. Now, a lot of this comes back to the way people are concerned about the U-Sky approval and a lot of this sort of stuff. But, you know, a, a, a rim that is very, very um, engineered incredibly well from first-hand experience can actually ride really, really poorly, really poorly. And it, okay, so I'm also riding the Black Ink 60 wheels at the moment, um, another that I'm sort of testing against. And to the feel, it's quite strange because they're quite, I don't know the right word, but they're quite malleable. The rim, like if you, I guarantee you, right, if you'd got that as a dodgy Chinese um, thing and you'd started to sort of feel this rim and be, you'd be like, oh, this is this is crap, this is going to fall apart. Mm. But I guarantee it's one of the best and smoothest and fast wheels I've ever ridden. Mm. And 
this is just pure. I'm not an engineer by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but I'm just purely a bike rider, mm. and I can tell you that I love the way those wheels feel. It's not like for like, but the 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 Metron wheels, the the rim brake ones that we had, which were very very safe and great, they were pretty harsh. Mm. They were pretty harsh. Also affected by the way they're built too. You would you know what's the sp- how many spokes? What's the spoke tension? Uh, that would also affect it too, which yep. is again, it's you can't look at things just on what they look like, and that's kind of what I was, what was interesting in his. Video. I mean, the thing was that when he was ruining that frame, it didn't even pass the look good tests, let alone the mm. ride good. If you can't even paint the thing to look good, how's it going to ride well? But the flip side is right that a big guy, like a big 80, 80 kilo guy, might get on that stiffer, thicker rimmed bike or wheel and go, this is. This is amazing. This is exactly what I want. You know what I mean? So that's where, again, I sort of start to push back with anything I do review-wise because it's like, well, I'm 60-something kilos with a sprint less than 1,000 watts. So my perfect wheel is different to Big Bopper sprinting down the straight, you know? So the World Tour starts in January, Jesse. It starts here in Australia for once. Australia. Australia. And guess who's on the start list? A man famous for a bike review that was then reacted to, a man who might have also won a few grand tours, a pro-continental rider by the name of Christopher Froome. Cool. One of my heroes. Um, Yeah, so great start list of uh, Garrett Thomas is coming down. Uh, Jai Hindley will be there. So it should be be pretty epic, actually. I'm really, really looking forward to it. But I I wanted to get your reaction on this because, um, as we know, Israel Startup Nation are not a world tour team. So they will have been invited. Now, it's the first time. um, Please correct me down in the comments if I'm wrong, but it's the first time a pro-continental team has been invited to the world tour edition of the tour down under. Is it? Okay. I didn't okay. know that. I didn't know that. So there's that. There's also a bit of an unknown around the uh, Australian. Uh, normally what happens is uh, the, uh, well, it's the Uni SA team, but it's essentially like the Cycling Australia get to put one team into the into the, the World Tour edition and it normally features... Uh, a selected group of guys that did well in the domestic competition. And as we know, it was one of the things that you would strive to for the previous season to try and get qualification for that. So what we do know is that Israel Startup are here. And what we do know is that Chris Froome was certainly paid an appearance fee to to attend. Now, my question to you is how, how does that sit with you as a... As a uh, I wish I understood. I tried to look up the UCI rules around what teams come to races. I wish I understood it better. But it's a world tour race, so all the world tour teams have to come. Right. You can then invite other pro teams, depending on how many teams you want to have or can have in the race. And then the national team for the host country, so it's two down under, so Australia. In these, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they have to have a domestic team or they can have a domestic team i'm pretty sure it's can because i can think of plenty of other races that don't have a national team in it so i think it can they can have a team which which is the reason why that's important is because a conti rider 
a continental ever rider can never enter a world tour race. So the only reason they, the only way they'd be able to do that is by being on the national team for uh, their nation for a race in their home country. So it's really cool that the Tour Down Under and UniSA sponsor this team and enter it in the race. So I, that will almost definitely be going ahead. I I can't imagine a world in which they don't enter a national team in the Tour Down Under. It, that would be so such ba- a waste of opportunity for development and bad PR. So I'm pretty sure that'll go ahead. Um, if they had, yeah, I don't see a problem. If they then had, but after they have the domestic team for Australia and then all the World Tour teams, if they had a few spaces left for more teams, then they, sure, why not get Israel Premier Tech to, to Do you think them? they just got them or do you think Chris is being paid an appearance fee here? And the reason I ask is this, because... We're constantly being told that there is no money for road cycling in this country and yet we're going to throw – I'm certain of it, Jesse. I'm absolutely certain that they will have paid him an appearance fee here. Now, we know that – I was on a ride this morning with a friend. He was stoked Chris Room was going to this. I'm stoked. Yeah. I'm 100% stoked. Okay. So – I think it's – if they have paid – I do think they – there's a – I agree in with you on that the idea that they probably have to get paid because why would as a pro conti team a pro team one of the advantages is that you don't have to go to every world tour race so why would it Israel Premier Tech come to like one of the hardest races to get to it costs so much money so if they by having sending Chris Froome they got some money back that would make sense as to why they even came to begin with uh, and Chris, Fr- and yeah, I think it's if they have paid the team money or Chris Froome money, depending on how much, I think it's potentially worth it because Chris Froome is a legend and deserves. Look, it's, cer- it's certainly worth it from a from a South Australian <coughs> tourism perspective. Like, absolutely, you're not going to hear an argument from me. All I can tell is is that five domestic teams won't exist next year because there's no money, and yet we're more than happy to throw money at a bloke who's already on a multi-million dollar contract to come out here and promote cycling no not really he's coming out here to try and get a few more people to come to the tour now. i don't know i'm I, it's I, probably going to be great for the event i just it just sits really bad with me right it's like in, in the u.s <laughs> at the moment same thing's happening like you've got all these domestic teams going bankrupt and it's like I'm not even. I just. I can't even go into. I just don't care about domestic racing, at that upper level of anymore. I just don't care. It's like okay, the NRS didn't get. I don't care anymore. It's dead and buried. Just we just need to let it go. Even bringing it up as a point that like is like they don't deserve the money. The things crap. They're gonna yeah yeah. Go and race in Europe. Like it's just, I can't even sympathise with. <laughs> I can't even sympathise with you. It's just so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's such I, I a long bow to draw. Too. I can't let it go. I can't yeah, let it go. It's like I'm this dog with a bone <laughs> yeah, on it. Yeah. Just like what about the NRS? It's just contradiction, contradiction, contradiction. You know. Oh, but it's not. It's not me. a contradiction if you just accept that the NRS. Is, no one cares. And you just say, well, let's just put on a really great tour down under and it's good for the industry, it's good for cycling in Australia and just pump it. But it, 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 remove the NRS. Oh, again, it's probably too niche. But just like remove the NRS from it, put that money into actual junior development. Like it's just, yeah, okay. just totally. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. All right. No, I'll leave it in. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This, I started this thought like when I was over in Europe of like the guys, um, the younger guys on the team who just spend all day on TikTok. Like, is it going to be harder for riders coming up to train properly? Because if you can't even leave your phone, like they weren't like this because they're, they're riders, so they still train. But I'm thinking like, what's going to happen to a generation to not only go four hours for a ride without looking at the phone, but then having to not have any of the notifications come up and have the distractions? Do you ever do a, uh, would you ever do a four-hour ride without anything on? Just just raw, just a raw four hours listening to the wind noise. Yeah. You would? Absolutely. When's Absolutely. the last time you did that? With no, what do you mean? Just no headphones? Nothing. No headphones. Oh, last week. On your own? 100%. Really? Absolutely. Wow. Yep. That's impressive. Yep. Oh, I, most rides, most rides that I'm not in Centennial Park, I, would ne- I wouldn't put headphones in. See, that's, I, that's where I think the pro- – because you're because you're a lot older than I am, <laughs> there is no way I would. I can't even like to do a four hour without a podcast in. I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like if my headphones are dead, I uh, it's it's a no go. I did most of today, most of today's ride. I'd, I did okay. It was only a three hour ride. Most of that in Centennial Park, no headphones. Yep, I, away with my thoughts. That's unbelievable. Away with my thoughts. Nuts. Yep. That's crazy. And I'm like kind of old. I'm 28. And even I, so like that's you. Then there's me who's like, I'll listen to like a semi-boring podcast, but I need something. I can't just. And like a lot of the time I'll be thinking over the top of the podcast and won't actually be listening to it. But like I need some sort of stimulation. Imagine like an 18-year-old up and coming, like a podcast isn't going to be stimulating enough. For them, like See, the average did, young person? I don't know because, well, okay, so what I actually find is that when I put the headphones in sometimes it becomes, it kind of dulls you. I kind of go, oh, a bit like here we go. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with without headphones I'm kind of like, enga- or, like orally, is that the right word? Orally engaged with like what's going on around me and that, Maybe maybe I have a very low intelligence and a goldfish <laughs> and I can just do this. Oh, the trees. Yeah, pr- exactly right. And it's like, oh, there's another person in front of me. I'll go up, I'll go go to them. I'll have a look at them. Next, you know, oh, I wonder what's... Yeah, I literally am thinking like that. Um, and don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. You'll often see me with, with headphones in listening to a podcast. It would be years since I've gone for a ride more than an hour without listening to something. Yeah, wow. Okay. I just... Yeah. Maybe I've just outed myself as having well, <laughs> addiction Well, I'm to clearly not something. the right person to ask then about whether I think the next generation are not going to be able to, to do it. Um, if there's anyone that's under the age of 22 that listens to the show, let us know if you struggle to train. Like, I, I can't imagine, like, some of the young guys on the team, I'm like, how, how are you getting through a 25-hour training week? It, and if you are under the age of 22, can you tell us why you're all still running wired headphones and doing the thing where you all, like, put them up through your jersey and then, like, have the little wired headphone, like, hanging out of your your jersey to make it look like you can just sort of put it in? We, 
I know you've got AirPods or blue Bluetooth headphones. Like, what is this the look? Can someone explain to me? It's the below? look. It's the Melbourne summer look. <laughs> summer look. Melbourne. Yeah. Caleb was doing it the other way. He was. So Caleb was. So I, I think the wire is. Uh, see, that's the thing. You run the wire, the, like the AirPods. Mm. Aren't you scared they're gonna fall out? No, no, they just sit in. I've got little foamy things that kind of uh, stuff them in quite well. Because uh, um, that's what I was thinking. Is people would say I would wear the wide ones because I don't want the other ones to fall out. If I'm down in Berry, okay, beautiful place to drive. Quiet, hills, serenity, birds, all that shit. I'll run headphones because it's so boring. If I'm in Sydney, cars, people, friggin' drug addicts, it's great. Don't need headphones or heaps of stuff going around on around me. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do resort to it for the nice bike rides, actually, now I think about it, but certainly not in Sydney. I don't do it. Mm. Okay. So that was a little bit of a scattergun, but episode 11 is done. Jesse, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. We may see people before the end of the year. We will see people before the end of the year. I think we'll have time year. next week. Definitely. Send us your appearance fees down below. All right, let us know. Bye now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 